Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome in to the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit GEICO.com for a free rate quote. I'll kick the coverage today. Also brought to you by AutoZone. Heat the main cause of battery failure, so it's important to have a tough battery. Duralast batteries designed and tested to start in extreme temperatures up to 167 degrees. They're proven tough. They're sold only at AutoZone, so make sure you get in the zone. That's AutoZone. Jason Martin, executive producer of Outkick the Coverage in for Clay Travis all week long, alongside Jeff Schwartz down in Charlotte, the eight-year NFL veteran on the offensive line. Panthers, Vikings, Chiefs, Giants, Lions, his stints in the league. Now he's doing the radio thing. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F, and Schwartz with a T. Jeff, good morning. What's up? You said Schwartz with a T yesterday. I've never not known that to be. I mean, I know there's there's S W A R T Z. I've never really seen a Schwartz without a T before. It's not very often, but you never know who can spell and who can't. So I'm just kind of trying <laughs> to help folks out, especially this early in the morning. I've seen a few Schwartzes without a T before there, but generally no. Like no, you haven't. I, yes, I have. There are Schwartzes without a T out there. <laughs> just, was that Justin? Yes. You've never seen a Schwartz without a T before? No. All right, maybe I'll have to Google this and then prove myself to be wrong. More I also people, think it sounds better to spell your name and say, hey, there's a G in the first name. There's a T well, in the last name. It's just better balance. Well, the G for sure, because people still, it's, yeah. it's remarkable. Like in 2017, I figured Jeff with a G is kind of a well-known thing by now. And I would say once a week, people are either surprised, like stunned, flabbergasted that I have a G in my name. My first name. Like, I tell them Jeff with a G, and they just they don't know how to react. It's pretty uh, hilarious at times. Yeah, I'm sure that that can be ultimately frustrating. So, there are bigger actual sports stories out there, but we're going to lead off with the ESPYs with an E. Um, <laughs> and Peyton Manning did his thing last night, and his joke writers were great, and his delivery was awesome. And you look at him again, and you're like, man, if this guy wanted to go into politics, you'd vote for him 
right now. I remember last year I tweeted several times in the run-up to the November election that I was going to write in Peyton Manning. Ended up going with Evan McMullen, but I could have easily written in Peyton Manning and felt pretty confident about it. Uh, he was very, very good on the ESPYs, and I have to get this out there. I would say this is my annual ESPY rant, but this is the first time anyone has ever heard it on a national scale, but anybody that knows me knows that this is something I've said before. I'm just going to list these, and I did write this, so at least I wrote the, this list together. So don't think that I'm just pulling these completely out of my rear end. Cy Young, Lombardi Trophy, Larry O'Brien, Stanley Cup, WWE Championship, Triple Crown, Rookie of the Year, Most Valuable Player, Vezina Trophy, Conn Smythe, Crystal Football, Gold Cup, Grey Cup, World Cup, Claret Jug, Green Jacket, World Series, Pennant, Gold Medal, Silver Medal, and yes, Bronze Medal. Just to name more than a few, but nowhere near all. So why did I list all those awards? Where exactly does SB Award winner go in an athlete's <laughs> obituary? Probably a few lines beneath Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award recipient. When I see any athlete, the last thing I ever think is, hey man, do you know that dude is a three-time ESPY Award winner? How impressive is that? This is why I don't watch this show. I watch the athletes get mocked in the monologue like they were last night, and many of them with egos so fragile they can't even laugh at themselves. Those that do... <laughs> I take note, and I like them better afterward than I did before. And that also includes Kevin Durant last night, who played along, and Russell Westbrook, who played along, and P.K. Subban, who's just the greatest dude alive. I'll be told about good human interest pieces that air during the show. People will tell me about, hey, Jarius Robinson won the Jimmy V Award. And I'll go find that story online, and I'll find that part of the ESPYs online, and I'll watch that. I'll consume the show that way, as I did before the show this morning. I watched Peyton's monologue, and I watched the Jarius Robinson story. But the next day that I care who wins an ESPY award will be the first. I find it utterly ridiculous that the show even exists, much less that it has for 25 freaking years. If you had just thrown last night on TV, OJ made in America, ESPN might have had me as a viewer. Instead, well, I continue my BoJack Horseman rewatch on Netflix. And my night was better than yours if you watched an award show celebrating sports, which is celebrated basically every day, where awards are given for merit on the damn field, not voted on subjectively, where a bunch of people are wearing suits. Of all the vapid, pretentious award shows out there, the ESPYs might not be either of those two classifications or adjectives, but it's entirely irrelevant as a show, and I continue to find it as a joke. But hey, great work on reaching uh, year 25 there, guys. Awesome. So, Jeff, now that I've laid this out, I just think it's pathetic because unlike movies and film where they celebrate each other, but they don't get trophies when they put out a great movie. Like, you find out that the box office for Spider-Man is $117 million over the weekend, and that's impressive. But box office doesn't even translate necessarily to quality of film. In the case of Spider-Man, it does. But Spider-Man was going to make a ton of money even if it turned out to be terrible. For the sports landscape... These people get honored all the time with stats, with awards, with all sorts of things like this. I just find the idea that a sports network decides to just give out trophies and set up its own award show and people are supposed to take this seriously, patently absurd, to borrow a phrase. Am I completely alone in this or do you kind of agree? Like, if you watch the ESPYs, nobody cares that Kevin Durant had the best championship performance according to this award show, right? So you don't like the ESPYs is what we're getting at I'm not here. a No, I'm not a, not a big <laughs> um, fan of the ESPYs. I, 
I don't know anyone who cares about who wins an award for the ESPYs. I mean, I think the original premise of the ESPYs, well, I know the original premise was to honor Jimmy V, was to raise money for his foundation, which is great. Yes. And, and it's done that, and they do that on ESPN all day yesterday. You know, they raise money for, for Jimmy, Jimmy V uh, Foundation, which is excellent. It's admirable. Um, I just didn't know that anyone cared really about the ESPYs. Um, I've never, I'm not a big award show guy in general. I think the older I get, the more I move away from award shows, even, um, you know, for movies, and I, you know, I watch the Grammys for the musical performances. I don't watch to see who wins the award. I think as we get older, and you can and you develop your own sense of taste and what you like, you don't need an award show to validate how you feel about a movie, how you feel about an album, or how you feel about an athlete. So the way I feel about uh, Kevin Durant, you know, he, for example, because you know Peyton Manning roasted him last night, doesn't change because he was in an award show and didn't laugh at a joke. It well, actually it was pretty funny. I think his mom was awesome. His mom was laughing during the whole thing, and they played yeah. along with it, of course, but. Uh, he's probably prepped on the joke was coming, and here's you know I want you to do this, but still, I, I've never changed my opinion about an athlete uh, based on the ESPYS. You know the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing. I didn't care. Like, I just don't care. It, 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 the, the ESPYS don't validate the way I feel about um, her situation or anyone else's situation. I think the like you mentioned the interest piece um, for the Jimmy V part is touching. It's moving. Like that's an important role that that, that the SPs play. But otherwise, like I like I get told year after year, go to the SPs. You know, you need to go to the SPs. You need. To, I'm like, no, I don't want to go to the SPs. My my agent was there yesterday. She can do that. Um, people I know were there. Like I don't have any desire to walk a red carpet for the SPs to meet and greet people. Uh, not that anyone really. Would, I don't think would care if I'm there or not. But still, like, I just am not an award show guy. I don't watch them. I don't care. I don't need an award show to validate my own opinion about how I feel about a certain movie, uh, a certain album, or a certain athlete. That's, I mean, right, exactly. So you've been asked to go before and have just never gone? Not by ESPN, but people that, that work with me tell me that, hey, you need to go to the ESPYs to, like, to network and, um, you know, just to be seen. And I, you know, the thing about being seen, you know, like for the Super Bowls, like I, I had a PR guy, um, a couple of years ago, and he did a good job. And when I was in New York, and you know, he's like, "You need to go to the Super Bowl, and you need to just go to every party and take a picture that shows you were there." And I did that. I would go to almost every big party. I never even really went in. I would just go, take a picture on the red carpet, dressed all nice, go to the next one, take a picture on the red carpet. You know, I might even change my tie or change my shirt in between, um, just to be seen that I'm at these parties, so we can show people pictures that look. Jeff Schwartz was at all the parties because I mean, you know, it helps build your brand out. Um, but just going to be seen at the ESPYs, like I'm over that part of my life now. Like I don't, I don't need that. Yeah, understood. I don't know, guys, if we have this ready to fire or not, but I know um, we do have the Peyton Manning. Okay, we do. Peyton Manning roasting Kevin Durant. This was a fantastic joke. I don't know who it was that wrote it, but it's absolutely exquisite. If you missed it last night, here that joke is. And our gymnastics team was so dominant that Kevin Durant told me he wants to play for them next year. <laughs> And I got to tell you, I don't think he'd start for that team, Kevin. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, what do you think? Jeff, is there anybody more likable in sports than Peyton Manning? He's moving that direction. I think a lot of people didn't realize he had this personality. I know he's hosted SNL a couple times. I'll tell you this, Eli, I play with Eli. You know, people see that that look he has on his face at times. And there's actually a picture. uh, I can actually probably find it of me talking to Eli uh, during a preseason game, he has that stank face going. It's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I know he's listening to me, but he also has that, that face going. And he's also has a great personality and sense of humor. You just don't see that. So it's nice to see Peyton Manning evolve. Um, 
I'm not sure, you know, if you are a AFC West fan or you are a Jaguars or a Titans fan, maybe you don't like him. I don't know why. I mean, he he's never gotten in trouble. He is a great spokesperson for the NFL. He does a great job hosting these type of events. And um, I agree with you. If he decided to run for office in Tennessee, I think he'd win in a landslide. You know, if he decides to run for president one day, I think he would have a, a good platform and people would vote for him. Look, The Rock has decided to run for president. I think we think he's, he's a super PAC. Kid Rock just said he's running for Senate. Oh, um, yes. I believe it's Senate or some. Is it Senate seat or is it just a seat in, or a seat in Congress? I think it was um, maybe a Senate seat. And I think he will Detroit. probably use all summer long as his. <laughs> campaign song that'll make clay so, very yeah, happy i mean i think people people in the in the public sphere um that are that are popular are now deciding to move into politics i think that if Peyton manning did that you know we talked a little bit yesterday about making a list of, of the sports figures that we would vote for um or possibly could run and paid manning and the rock i mean one and two nick saban probably three but i think his personality is really likable he showed it last night even though he didn't write the jokes, we all know that, but he delivered them really well, and um, I actually enjoyed watching that monologue. I, I, you know, I don't even go as far as you. I typically don't even go back and watch the monologues or the Jimmy V piece. It, at times, I will if it gets tweeted in my timeline, but I searched out the Peyton Manning monologue this morning because I saw him roast Kevin Durant, and I thought, I want to see this whole thing, and I thought he, he handled it really well. Yeah, he did an excellent job, and one of the dirty little secrets about Shows like this are the the guys that you don't see that make all these jokes. Now, the execution by Peyton was absolutely fantastic, but even the Comedy Central roast, Greg Giraldo, who passed away years ago, was known to be one of the best roast jokers that Comedy Central had when they started doing their annual roast to sort of rival the Friars Club in New York. But Greg Giraldo had Jesse Joyce writing his jokes for him, but Jesse Joyce was never the guy that was actually delivering the jokes on stage until this past year when they actually put him out there. Uh, people like Sarah Tiana and things like that. They're the ones that are putting these jokes together, even for the professional comedians on the Comedy Central roast. They're not just writing the stuff for Seth Rogen or the people that aren't necessarily joke after joke after joke punchline makers. Now, I think Jeff Ross writes his own stuff, and I do think that there are certain folks, Anthony Jeselnik, I'm not sure anybody understands his humor other than him in terms of being able to put it together for him ahead of time. So I think he probably puts his stuff together. But nine out of ten times, the people that are delivering this stuff aren't the ones that wrote it. So really, I'm not taking any points off of Peyton Manning for not writing it because nobody writes their own stuff. And Peyton Manning was so affable and so likable and up there, and he was so comfortable in his own skin. They used Peyton's, you know, his checks at the line and his audibles as part of a joke. They took digs at the Knicks. They took digs at all these athletes. They had a really good time with it. It was only 10 minutes, so it was well done. There have been good and bad monologues. The most famous in the ESPYs, at least, was Norm MacDonald, which, of course, you can find online where every athlete seemed like they were completely irate with him. ESPN was 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 ready to just take the guy completely <laughs> off the air because he went up there with a smile on his face and buried everybody without the – look, if you like Norm MacDonald, and I really do, you have to understand how he does his comedy. And these athletes yes. thought that he was straight up coming after them. But last night, completely different. I thought Peyton was excellent. I thought the Jarius Robinson piece was great. I thought the rest of it was pretty much ridiculous and a complete waste of time, which is why I didn't watch it. And BoJack Horseman's a great show, and I've already seen it three times. <laughs> but uh, I'll watch it a fourth instead of watching that. So let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about other talking that was done yesterday. This time, the case of, well, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather yet again. And... Oh, my God, Lonzo Ball ditches Big Baller brand and goes for 36 in front of LeBron. 
that is probably going to lead to a whole lot of applause coming from everybody not named me on this program. Stick around. This is Outkick the Coverage with Jeff and J-Mart right here only on Fox Sports Radio. It's football on your phone. That's what I said. It's football on your phone. You can watch it in bed. Take it with you wherever you go. Show your friends and watch them all go Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Here we come back with yet another example of Peyton Manning being funny and intelligent and just somebody that's willing to play ball on and off the field. So I'm just watching on the screen, the monitor here in the studio, and I flip between a couple of different stations. And why is it that summer league basketball, all of the announcers and the broadcasters are dressed down? Like, here's somebody in a golf polo and, like, some nice jeans and some tennis shoes that's actually broadcasting. Like, what exactly is the difference in your job calling this game than calling the regular season opener for the Sacramento Kings? It's like if... LeBron James is not on the floor. That means you don't have to wear a necktie. Like, I'm all yes. for any situation where you don't have to wear a necktie. It makes my life a lot better. But it's just strange to me. It's like you're still on TV. Like, you're still on the same network that you would be in this situation. Yet today you're wearing a cutter and buck, like, tight red <laughs> pit bull shirt and some, like, I don't know, some kinos or something, and somehow that's okay. Because it's... The off season is still off season, so the guys are still enjoying themselves. I, you know, I did the Oregon spring game, and I wore a Pac-12 polo. If I did it during the season, I'd wear a suit and tie. Um, that's just it's it's casual this time of year. It's it's summer league in Las Vegas. It's probably 120 degrees outside. You're not wearing a suit, so I'm okay with them wearing polos. It's it's re, it's a relaxed environment. It's not even this is if you were to equate this to NFL season, this is the off season. It's the nine week off season program. So would you expect if they aired a mini camp NFL mini camp, do you expect the the people calling it to be in a suit and tie? No, but that's mini camp. These are actual games. Like summer league it's but this still is the equivalent the of, this is the equivalent of mini camp. They haven't even gone to preseason camp yet. This is oh, so you're I saying mean, the thirty six points for Lonzo means nothing then. That was my whole point well, here was long, to get you to, long, to, get you to say gets, it didn't matter. It gets Laker, I know you're trying to do it. It gets <laughs> Laker fans excited because I think he's improved game to game. And he wore Nikes last night, which is super exciting as a Nike guy. Um, you know, maybe his shoes just weren't cutting it. And I wonder how his dad felt last night. I wonder if he told his dad. Do you think he told his dad, like, hey, I'm not going to wear the, the the Lows tonight or Zos or whatever, Zos, 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 Zos. And I'm going to go with, uh, with the Kobe's tonight. Do you, think he, do you think he told him that or do you think he just showed up on the court? That's a really good question. That's the voice of Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL veteran on Twitter, at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F. That's all I will say because we have a problem now about whether or not there's actually any Schwartzes out there without T's in them, and I didn't have a chance to look it up, so I don't want to sound even dumber now. I'm uh, Jason Martin, the executive producer of the show, in for Clay. He will be back on Monday. Justin, you have looked something up for me. Oh, not not on the uh, the Schwartz thing, but I did want to comment real quick on on Lonzo, uh, yeah, yeah. the the shoes and his his performance. Now, I do remember uh, not too long ago, Lavar did come out and say that Lonzo would be allowed to wear other shoe brands. That's nice of him. How nice of him. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know if that answers the question of, of whether or not he told Lavar that he was going to do that. I, I would imagine so. Uh, I know after the game that he he, he said that. Uh, 
he, it was Mamba mentality. That's why he decided to go with the Kobe's. He said he just wanted to change it up a little bit. But to uh, piggyback on what Jeff said, you know, yeah, the summer league doesn't really matter. But he, he's totally right. It's getting Lakers fans excited. I was off my seat, you know, cheering at the screen when he, you know, put the Lakers up by one at the end of the game. And I'm already sitting here, you know, planning my, my trips to Staples Center for next season. I can't wait to see the energy in that place. It's going to be, you know, reminiscent of the championship years just because of this guy. Yeah, I mean, Lonzo was great last night. 36 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds, 5 steals, 2 blocks. They win by one over the 76ers. It was. It was a very, very impressive performance. I saw some of it, not all of it, as I was kind of moving around between different things last night. I certainly saw more of that than I did the ESPY awards. But if I'm supposed to be surprised that Lonzo's playing better in Nike shoes than in whatever big baller brand shoes are, I'm not. Like, whatever Lonzo's going to play better in, he needs to wear. All due respect to his dad. He's, I've seen him on the sidelines when he's out of these games and he's wearing the big baller brand shirt. That's fine. Make sure the man's feet are right. And they were. And LeBron James came away very impressed, said he was an amazing passer of the basketball. Uh, Lakers brass were saying he was absolutely stellar as a passer. And that's what we all knew about Lonzo. And that's what I want to see out of Lonzo. I want to see magic on the floor. I want to see somebody that can put the ball exactly where these players want it. And that's what we saw from Lonzo. If he's going to show up and score 36, then we've got something really, really special. Now, I kind of already believed Lonzo was going to be great but this is certainly good. Maybe maybe his balls were really hurting him. Maybe his Lonzos were really hurting him, so he did need to sit out of that game because he certainly looked a lot better, a lot fresher last night at the Thomas and Mack in that win over the 76ers. But good for Lonzo and good for the Lakers and good for the NBA. The NBA needs Lonzo to be good, and they need the Lakers to be good. Whether or not you like the Lakers or not is basically immaterial to that fact. Another person that we talked a lot about yesterday was Floyd Mayweather. And Floyd Mayweather came out last night after day two of the Mayweather-McGregor World Tour and said he has won both days. So I guess when he did, yes. Did, do you guys remember, I don't know if you ever actually listened to this before, but when Floyd was trying to do radio copy for a, uh, oh, yeah, I think it, yeah. yeah, like that a hip-hop went viral. Station? Yeah, and he could not read the script to save his life. Yeah, like maybe we can, maybe we'll find that or something and play it later on in the show. But the point I'm trying to make is, I guess maybe that wasn't just an isolated incident of him not being all that bright. Because I know what he has to say, but he's gotten summarily trounced by Conor McGregor in every way. Like Floyd, even when they're standing nose to nose, Conor is jawing right in his face and Floyd is just kind of standing there. And I don't know if that's supposed to make him look like he's serious or not taking Conor McGregor seriously. It's like, yeah, you go ahead and talk because I'm going to knock you out because that's exactly what's going to happen. But right now, Conor's the one that's selling this fight. I'm not necessarily sure that wasn't true to begin with, but Conor is the one that if you care about this fight, that's the reason you care about this fight. This fight. Did you see any of this yesterday, Jeff, in terms of some of the stuff these guys were saying? I've seen some of the recaps, and I watched some of the videos. I didn't watch it live, but, you know, is – is Mayweather just not interested in this fight? Like I'm, I go back to my point yesterday where I think he's just doing this for the money to pay his lean off. I mean, you know, he challenges McGregor to to bet uh, the entire purses. Of course, he said yes, but that's yeah. never going to happen. Right. Um, he just seems very disinterested in this whole process. Um, like, you know, like he's it's it's hurting his his opportunity to train and he just doesn't want to be here. And I think he feels he's going to beat 
McGregor so badly that why even bother doing all this press? And look, like you mentioned, this is McGregor's thing, man. I mean, he is a showman. This is what he does best. This is why he's a fan favorite in, in MMA and the UFC. And um, I'm not surprised that he's beating Mayweather off, you know, I was saying off the court, <laughs> uh, out of the ring. Right. Well, it's it's like this. Like, Connor has no business being inside an actual boxing ring with Floyd Mayweather. So every time that Connor does some appearance at some press event, just take that as if he's landing shots on Floyd Mayweather. These are his rounds, the ones before the fight starts. These are the ones where he makes himself larger than life and sets himself up for life, not just with the purse from this fight, but just from the publicity and what he might be able to do once he's done yes. here. The chances of him going back to the octagon for any sustained length of time after this are not very good. He knows that the loss is not going to hurt him. All the publicity and everything in the lead-up is going to help him. So when you see him show up and you see him drop some of these lines that we're going to play for you here on the other side after trending, just assume those are landed shots. Like, you'll see one, that'll be a jab. If you get one where you end up saying, oh, then that's like a haymaker. Like, these are his shots. Once the fight starts... That's when Floyd's shots are going to begin. We will let you hear that here in just a moment. But first, let's find out what's trending. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the Outkick to Coverage radio program here on FSR, brought to you by GEICO. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Outkick today also brought to you by our great friends at True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area pay for the same car you're looking for and on average save over $3,000 off the MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz, eight-year NFL veteran in this week for Clay Travis, who is in Paris with his family. He was in London last week. Sure, he will have a lot to say on Monday. One of the things he wrote about yesterday at Outkick.com we will get into in the next hour, and that's this craziness in Ole Miss with... Houston Nutt filing a defamation of character lawsuit against the university and really throwing Hugh Freeze under the bus. And I'm not so sure that Hugh Freeze shouldn't be thrown under the bus. So we'll definitely get into that here in a little bit. But we were talking about Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather and how Conor is dominating all of these press conferences, as you would probably expect. But if you did not happen to see the circus yesterday, here are some of Conor's highlights first from yesterday's events. When I count the tree, I want this entire arena to scream, the Mayweather's. One, two, three, the Mayweather's. He won't do do nothing. And while we're at it, showtime too, you little weasel. Look at you, you little weasel. I can see it in your eyes. Cut my mic off. Cut the champ champ's mic off. No, you weasel and you. What the is he wearing? He looks like a little breakdancer or something, a little 12 year old breakdancer. What the? He's 40. You're 40 years of age. Dress your age carrying a school bag on stage. What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. Like I said, Con- this is what Connor does. There- was there one cut there that was nothing but bleeped? Like I, I think yes. there was one of the cuts there where not one word was actually said. The one thing that we have not talked about, Jeff, so far about this fight or about this height, and I saw this and really maybe paid attention to it for the first time yesterday afternoon, is the race angle. I didn't yeah. even know that this was a thing. 
until yesterday. But it's the great white hype or whatever of Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather, the, the great black athlete uh, with the troubled past and all of these kinds of things. I did not know this was a thing. I guess my life doesn't center around such polarization. I just saw two kind of larger-than-life athletes that were coming together to make a ton of money together because both know that they can't make that kind of loot against anybody but each other because of the spectacle and the value of the spectacle that exists. But apparently this is a big deal in a lot of circles. I had no idea this black-white thing was, was an issue with this fight. Did you? I did not know till yesterday, talking to, to a show friend Alex Marvez, I was doing serious right. radio uh, after a show yesterday, and he was we were talking about the fight and the promo. You know, Alex is a big wrestling fan, so we talked about kind of how mm-hmm. the promotion works behind the fight. And he mentioned that the Mayweather, I mean, excuse me, Conor McGregor, uh, the, when he said dance for me, boy, like, yeah. I thought that was more of a comment towards his style of boxing. And I was informed that that's actually more probably a comment toward toward race than anything else. So I, I, I learned that as well yesterday. I had no it didn't, it didn't even cross my mind when I saw the press conference two days ago, the first one. Um, it didn't cross my mind at all that that, that could be a thing. Uh, but I, I went back. I mean, McGregor has said these things. He said something to to Nate Diaz as well. Like over the time, he's made uh, a couple of these comments. But to me, it just it, I didn't even think about it. And um, when you go back and look, it seems to kind of be a pattern now. Yeah, I, the dance for me, boy thing, I saw that as well, and I thought the same thing you did. I thought it was more about him being a defensive boxer that dodges and evades. I just didn't see it from that perspective. I'm finding out now, or I'm being told that Clay wrote about it a week ago, so I guess I missed that piece. But it just, as a How whole, I don't see it this way. Like, I, I don't know. That's that's not that's not a place that I really want to go, certainly, but I didn't know... And I don't think Connor meant anything intentional by what he said, and I haven't really taken anything that Floyd said to be that way either. In case you missed some of what Floyd said, we've got a few of his cuts as well. Here is money yesterday for his part of these press conferences. And they said, I'm the mother that can't read. I do numbers. I make money. You know my middle name, You owe money. I do let me see the bag. The bag got books, and we're going to show you what the books look like. If you believe in yourself, like you say you believe in yourself, bitch, your whole fight check, you No problem. Send the contract, kid. It's done. Okay, so I'm finding out now Clay was joking. He didn't really write an article. He just kind of wrote kind of a something in jest. That makes more sense. Yeah, but the thing about would, it is, there's a lot of folks that. That where it's not a joke. But Clay usually is in front of things like this in terms of knowing, you know, the Travis Clay side of the argument. But I can't believe this is a thing. And of course, if you I heard those, th- yeah, if you heard those things that you heard Floyd just say compared to what you heard Connor you just say, once again, Floyd, nobody, like you're getting annihilated here. And I don't think that you have a chance when it comes to the hype machine. I saw we were talking during the break about. Connor in terms of where he goes after this fight and Coop I'm going to bring you into the discussion out in LA because you made a point that I agree with I just don't necessarily know how it will play you believe UFC desperately needs Connor to come back with the hype and with the level of stardom that he will reach over the next month in the lead up to this fight especially with the current state of UFC in terms of not really having any stars right 
Absolutely, because I think it's unprecedented as far as MMA fighters go. You know, I've I've been into MMA for a while now, and even the biggest stars in the sports, if I bring it up to uh, somebody who's, you know, even just a, a casual sports fan, they haven't heard of, like I say, you know, Anderson Silva, and that's, you know, he's the all-time, you know, right. best fighter ever in MMA, but most people have no idea who that is. But now it's getting to the point where you just talk to, I guess, you know, just say your random friend who doesn't really know anything about sports. You say Conor McGregor, and it's getting to the point where like, oh, yeah, I, I've heard of him. I know who Conor McGregor is. So I think it's very important for for MMA as a whole for him to come back to that after this because I believe that a lot of people are going to be entertained by all these press conferences and will want to see more of him and might start watching UFC. Well, I think that the problem for UFC is they don't have any other stars right now. What they right. can use Connor to do is fight some no names and then use these UFC embedded kind of 24s that they do in the lead up to these big fights and press conferences and all of these things to try and make stars through Connor. Guys that otherwise no one would care about at all. If they can step up to the plate and be charismatic, then maybe you can make two or three guys. The same way a great you know, WWE champion can make two or three challengers and turn them into viable, lucrative assets for the company that otherwise would not have been able to to reach those levels. That's what you can do with Connor. But I agree more with Jeff in the conversation that we were having off air in terms of for Connor, his life changes and it becomes more about what's the next circus that I can cash in on on a one-fight basis, who can I fight or what animal can I fight or can I race a shark with Michael <laughs> Phelps or whatever like that because he's kind of becoming more of an entertainer than he is a fighter. Yes. I could see him even leaving the sport altogether and getting into some sort of media role where he's not fighting but still making a good amount of money. Uh, I think he'll get paid a lot of money to do either rally TV or commentating or something because, look, he's going to make $75 million at least on this fight. And I think part of his hype for this fight and what he's doing is trying to get more people to buy the fight, obviously. He'll make more money the more pay-per-views they sell. Um, so I just don't know how you can go from making $75 million at least to what's a, what's a UFC purse? Uh, no, I'm not fighter. sure. I mean, his purses are a lot higher than, than most, right. obviously. But it's sort of it, like, you know, Ronda Rousey got into acting. She realized right. she can make a lot of money doing that, and that's not beating herself up, and then she gets back in the ring. and lo- I mean, so I think that that's kind of the same route he's going. He's going he's gonna to fight Mayweather. He probably will not get damaged at all. He'll lose the fight. He'll cash his check. And then why would you go back to UFC? You have a chance to get seriously injured. He probably doesn't think this way, but... Uh, you have a chance to seriously get injured. Uh, you're not going to make as much money. There's no advancement for him in the UFC. He's the top guy right now. You know, there's no way to get to get more fame in the UFC. Um, and I don't think that fighting Mayweather will bring, and then going back to UFC will bring uh, fringe fans or boxing fans to watch him in the UFC. Uh, so I don't know if going back is a smart move for him. I think he could find something else to do that will make him enough money to, you know, to live. I mean, $75 million we hope is enough money to live, but just good, steady income and not getting his face pounded in, in the UFC. Our telephone number is 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. What should Conor McGregor do once this fight is done? What should he do for money? Should he go into movies? Should he try his hand at acting? Should he go into the media? Should he take maybe $5 million from Vince McMahon to show up at next year's WrestleMania and set up one match 
for a year maybe past that or six months past that. There are so many options open to him. Or should he go back to UFC? We'll continue to discuss that with you again if you have thoughts, 877-99 on Fox. Coming up next, the Geico Play of the Day, a Lakers rookie, made a whole lot of people in this studio awfully happy. We'll talk about it next. It's Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, it is Outkick the Coverage. Here on FSR, Jason Martin, NFL veteran Jeff Schwartz in this week for Clay Travis, Danny G, Justin Cooper out in L.A. making it happen. And it's time for the Geico Play of the Day as Lakers rookie Lonzo Ball had himself an evening last night in NBA Summer League against the 76ers. Underneath, scoop and score by Zohers. are going to go the other way. No, count it. And the foul. Lonzo Ball going all the way to score, and he'll get an and one. That audio courtesy Spectrum Sportsnet. Lonzo, 36, 11, 8, 5, and 2. If you need him, that is an impressive stat line, and that is your Geico play of the day. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm not sure I gave you guys requisite time in which to just slobber all over Lonzo. I was impressed too. The kid was an absolute stud last night and he did it in front of LeBron. That's a, that's a pretty good sign. I would say he seems to be improving each night. Did it bother you to know that that call of Lonzo ball was done by a guy wearing a polo, not a suit. Oh my God. I didn't even think about it until now, but yes, it does. It's like, it's like, look, when they go to the Maui Invitational in college basketball in December and everybody's wearing the Hawaiian shirts that Clay seems to feel the need to wear to every Titans game just so people can mock him, like, that's one thing. I almost understand that. But Summer League, it's like, I'll see, you know, Dennis Scott or Tim Legler or whoever it is just out there in some like form fit polo and Keon's is like, dude, it's the same job. Like you're still calling a basketball game. You're still analyzing a basketball game. I don't think that's quite the same as minicamp, but apparently I am uh, just a get off my lawn on this situation. And I think everybody you should are. be all buttoned up to the T when I really believe that what they're wearing now is what they should just wear all the time. I think the ties are completely unnecessary for the Jim Nances of the world who are on camera for about five minutes of a three hour broadcast it's like, no, let those guys be comfortable. Not that they're wearing the blazers in the booth when we don't see them. The games that I've called on TV, I'm not wearing the coat as soon as the camera is off me. I'm sure you're not either, Jeff, when you're doing those things. But I, I would rather the guys be comfortable because I don't care. I know TV is all about aesthetics, but I'm not yes. like more into what Joel Clad is saying because of his necktie. <laughs> like If he's wearing Roundtree and York from Dillard's or whatever it might be, I, I don't really care. Like I, I just want to hear the guy talk because I think Joel Klatt's incredibly intelligent. But because they all do generally wear one thing, and now because we're at, in Summer League, we're just out here kind of dress casual or something, like Friday business casual, for some reason it really irks me, and it probably shouldn't. Now, this is, this is a deep app situation. I, don't think it, I just don't think it matters. You're getting all worked up about it, and... It's summer league basketball. I mean, I know as Lakers fans, we're super excited because Lonzo Ball did a great job yesterday. And I think for Lakers fans, he's improving over the three games, which is important to see. You know, his first game was awful, shot two for 15. Second game, triple-double, 11-11-11. Then he sat out against Darren Fox, who knows why, comes back, puts on the Nike shoes, the Kobe Nikes, LeBron's in the crowd, goes for 36-11 and again, and five assists or six assists. Uh, five, excuse me, five or six rebounds, I should say. The most important thing from last night with Lonzo Ball was LeBron James saying 
He likes to watch the guy pass because when LeBron comes to Los Angeles, that's going to be the reason why. Because Lonzo Ball will pass him the ball, will pass everyone the ball, make everyone better. So out of that whole, out of the last four games of the, the Lakers have played in the summer league, that's the most important thing that came out of it was LeBron praising Lonzo because they will be teammates in a year. Danny G, how excited are you about the way Lonzo Ball seems to be progressing? He's doing great. Uh, but his dad came to mind because I think we should start calling him LeVar Crystal Ball. Everything oh, he said up to this point has come true, Jason. Everything. How dare you. And so that, I, I think back to this. Lonzo Ball is going to take the Lakers to the playoffs his first year. Come see me when he does. I have another hat on to say I told you so. And he said, remember, he didn't overreact after the first game. He said, oh, a few games in and He'll be on top of the world. I mean, is it easy to say that because he knows his son is just that much better than everyone in summer league? I mean, he's not going to say this after they play the uh, the Cavs and they play LeBron. Yeah. Well, maybe on the other side, Jeff, you could talk about whether or not you think the Lakers can possibly slide into the eighth spot. Welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio Studios, brought to you by Geico. Everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off that dry cleaning. Pick up that milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't even have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket? It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. I'm Jason Martin, executive producer of the Outkick, the coverage radio program, alongside NFL veteran, eight-year NFL veteran Jeff Schwartz. He's down in Charlotte on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F. I'm at Jmart Outkick at Danny G Radio out in L.A. And for whatever reason, at UH Bronco fan is Justin Cooper. You can follow the entire crew there. Right before the end of the hour, Danny was suggesting or asking the question as to whether or not if this continues, if Lonzo is showing signs of what we're going to see early and often in his rookie season, can the Lakers kind of eke into that eight position. I don't think that they had enough, and a couple of days ago I said they were not going to make the playoffs. I am about ready to change that prediction, not because of Lonzo, because I expect Lonzo to be good. I think Contavious Caldwell-Pope kind of changes the game a little bit, and we still got to see what's going to happen potentially with with, uh, the $4.3 million exception that's still out there for L.A., but Pope adds something. He's almost an 80% free throw shooter for his career, averaged in double figures the last two seasons. He's a great two-way player, a great perimeter defender, and that's something you desperately need in the West and something that the Lakers absolutely did not have over the last few years. So I think that addition, plus some of the strides we're seeing so far from Lonzo, tell me that I would not in the least bit be surprised to see them move into the eight seed. But I know Jeff... It doesn't really matter this year. They're not winning a championship this year. It's all about protecting Lonzo, making sure that he takes the steps he needs to, and obviously the free agent pool at the end of next season is kind of the, I don't know, pot of gold at the end of the Lakers' rainbow. But if they can sneak in in the eight, that would still be fun for you guys. I think it would only matter or only be fun to see how the young guys play in a playoff atmosphere. You know, They're going to play the Warriors, how do they handle that. Um, you know, do they do they cower? Do they play hard? Do they play like, like that t- that type of situation? Otherwise, it does not matter one bit. I mean, I think it might show that the Lakers are growing something and and might attract 
another free agent that might not have considered Los Angeles. But look, I mean, think we pretty much know Paul George is coming to L.A. We think LeBron's coming to L.A. Um, you know, there's there's John Wall did not accept an extension with the Wizards. He has the same agent as, as LeBron. Possibly, you know, John Wall comes to L.A. In, in 2018. So they need to keep showing improvement. And really, Lonzo Ball, his only job, as a, you know, as a Lakers fan, I'm saying this, his only job is to make it fun to play for the Lakers now. I think Luke Wallen has changed the atmosphere and the direction with which the offense and the team is going. You know, he learned a lot with Steve Kerr with the Warriors, and he's implementing that type of offense in Los Angeles. You know, the previous coaches, uh, it was, was Byron Scott was a previous coach, um, hampered his young players, did not let them kind of make their own mistakes, let them play freely. Obviously, Kobe was there, which kind of hurt that development. Now Kobe's gone. You have Magic in charge, and Magic wants that type of showtime, that type of basketball to be played. They're doing that. And all they need to do this year is to show that it's fun to play in Los Angeles to draw some free agents, you know, to get there. Because if you just take their draft picks and let them grow over time without adding any veterans, it's a long time they have to wait to win again. Because you need stars to be at least 27 to win in the NBA. And their stars are 20 and 21. So they need some older veterans to come to Los Angeles and help them win a championship. So I think it's an interesting kind of segue here into the conversation about how NBA players have been able to form these super teams and how the NFL players and the money and the situation about what they're able to do and how much control that they have vis-a-vis the owners. Richard Sherman kind of coming out and saying something, I don't know, pretty interesting about what it might take for, for the NFL players to get the kind of control that the NBA players have. But before we do that, we do we spoke a little bit in hour one about Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor and how this race aspect has kind of come out of nowhere. And John in Jacksonville has a thought on that. Let's go down to Jacksonville and talk to John. John, how are you? Good. How about yourself? Good. Yeah, the um, race aspect in uh, heavyweight boxing has been around since the dawn of the sport. And, um, you know, how the, you know, Ali did a great job of making it, you know, kind of a worldwide fan sport. But there was always that black-white um, aspect going back to the dawn of the sport. All right, John, I appreciate you uh, chiming in. I mean, yeah, but at the dawn of the sport, race was a different story too, right? Like right. back in the 40s and 50s and, and some of these kinds of things, it was a much different deal. And certainly when Ali was a part of the civil rights movement and the Nation of Islam and all that, that kind of changed things. I just felt like, I know this is crazy to say this in 2017, that everything is not about race, but... I know for some people it is, but most of those people are professional race baiters, people that make money on turning everything into race and finding prejudice and everything, whether it's Ben Rothenberg of the New York Times going after our guy Doug Adler for the gorilla effect comment about Venus Williams, who just so happens to be on my television screen as I say that, so that's interesting, Uh, either that or whatever else it might be in politics or social or this or that. Not everything has to be separated into classes, and I never really saw this in those terms until yesterday. And Jeff, you were exactly the same way as Alex Marvez, who was on this show and is on this show every Tuesday, talked to you yesterday uh, when you guys were on Sirius together and spoke about just how there is sort of a race aspect. And that Connor said, "Dance for me, boy." Yesterday, and some people took major offense to that. I didn't like. I heard it. I didn't even think twice about it because I immediately just thought, well, Floyd's a defensive fighter. And right before that comment, and people aren't even showing this, Connor talks about how Floyd hasn't knocked anybody out in a decade. So Correct. that leading into the comment to me is further 
explanation that Conor McGregor was not trying to make any kind of a racial or prejudicial statement there whatsoever. I like to think we're not naive to these things. I mean, when I heard that as well, I thought it was only a reference to his boxing style. Um, you know, then I actually saw, you know, Alex told me about it. I saw on TMZ, they tweeted out something about how people feel that that was offensive toward Mayweather. And it just, it did not cross my mind that, right. that what he said was race related at all. And maybe it was, I don't know. But um, I think just like you, I don't immediately turn to race and all in, in when I hear people talk or when I see things on TV or, or read things on Twitter, I, immediately, I don't, I try not to to go about my life being outraged about things um, when I when I don't have to be, and I try to focus my attention to be outraged on things that actually matter, at least matter to me and or matter to our country. So I just I was not outraged, and I still really am not outraged. Um, I know in the past, you know, he's made comments to Nate Diaz um, that people took offense to as well, but you know, nothing has shown me outside of press conferences that McGregor is anything else um, than what he portrays. You know, these are press conferences where things I think are said in in the heat of the moment. I don't think he's, I don't think he rehearsed to say dance for me, boy. I don't think he rehearsed to call, I think it was Nate Diaz. I think he called him a a cholo gangster. I don't think that he um, rehearsed saying that before it it slipped out. Yeah. So is that, he's a provocateur. I mean, that's, that's what he is. Is that just part of the press conference and part of what he's trying to portray to sell the fight? Or is that actually who he is? Because otherwise, if we heard him make comments like this, either after a fight on Twitter, you know, when someone catches him and, you know, I'm sure TMZ has caught him before coming, you know, out of some place in Los Angeles to catch everybody. They tried to get me one time to talk about uh, some crazy stuff at the, at the airport. Um, and, and I denied, I denied right. that I wouldn't talk to them. Um, but they, um, so yeah, I just don't I just don't go around my life being outraged and I don't think this is very minor and if you want to be outraged by something that you know one line he said in a press conference where really he's never shown anything outside of a of one other press conference to say something um that might be racist, I, I'm not gonna be uh worked up about that. Connor is a hype machine, he's a provocateur, but he's not Milo Yiannopoulos. That's not who Conor McGregor <laughs> well, is. Like when yeah. Conor McGregor finishes a fight, have you ever watched at the end of one of his fights the class that he shows to whoever he just beat or or whoever he was in the octagon with? Like you see the real Conor McGregor for a couple of seconds right there. But Conor McGregor yeah. is a creation of Conor McGregor. He right. is, and that's why he's been able to become so famous. He's been able to transcend the sport because the best performers – in sports like this in particular, are ones that are themselves with the volume turned way, 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 way up. And that's what you've seen from from Conor McGregor. But I don't think that he's out there just trying to drop bombs to get his racism and prejudice out. I've, I've never felt that way about him. And again, this comment went by and I thought it was totally innocuous, didn't even realize it was a thing until I started seeing the Twitter timeline blow up with all these people saying, oh my goodness, he said dance for me, boy. I'm like, yeah, uh... I would imagine if Floyd were white and Floyd were a defensive fighter that basically never knocks anybody out, Conor would have said the exact same thing. Maybe I am being naive, but I'm going to go ahead and give Conor McGregor the benefit of the doubt because I haven't seen enough evidence to the contrary. Yeah, I think we're on the same page on this. And, you know, I think I think intent matters. You know, you talked about Doug, Doug Adler and 
that do you think that he would and Clay Clay brings this point up, and I think it's it's a great point about that situation. Do you think that he was going to choose this opportunity on ESPN three? It was on ESPN three, correct? Yep. Yeah, it wasn't even on TV. It was on. It was a streaming uh, broadcast. On a streaming uh, match, not watch. I would not. I would imagine not watched by particularly many people. Um, to use in the middle of the match to use that time to out himself as this racist. Like, I just think that there has to be, you have to think about intent sometimes when it comes to some of these issues. And, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if, if you wanted to, if McGregor wanted to show his true colors, he would do it in a press conference. But I don't think that in the middle of the press conference when he just talked about, um, you know, how he was a defensive fighter and Mayweather countered him on that and he came back with that line. I, I could understand maybe if... It had nothing. If the conversation was not about Mayweather's boxing style, and he just threw that line out there in the middle of his, of talking about something else, it, may, it I think it would lead me more to believe people who get who are outraged over this. But like I said, I mean, we can't be outraged over everything in life, and I think you have to pick and choose uh, the moments to be outraged. And we've gotten really to a society. And this is a really big downfall of social media. There's two of them. One is no nuance anymore in conversations. But secondly, is that. We can't wait to be outraged. Like outrage fuels people, and it just shocks me all the time to see people get so upset over the minorest of, of things in life. And I feel like we should save our outrage for things that actually matter in our life. And you know, we obviously that differs for everybody, but the outrage has got to stop, man. It's it's one huge downfall of social media. Agreed. Uh, it's time to start thinking macro and not micro. And speaking of macro, Richard Sherman talking about how NFL can start to make macro money in terms of its players and maybe give them some of the control back that was lost in the last collective bargaining agreement. On the other side, we will discuss that. And with Jeff here, I know that he has some very, very pointed takes on that, so you'll want to stick around. Our telephone number, if you want to join the show, is 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. NFL, Richard Sherman making a little bit news in the offseason. That's next. It's how kick the coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, welcome back to the Outkick the Coverage radio program here on FSR. We're brought to you by Geico. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? Well, it means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Jeff Schwartz back with us here, as he is all week. He's down in Charlotte on Twitter at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F. I'm at Jmart Outkick, Jason Martin, the executive producer, in for Clay Travis, who will be back on Monday when he rejoins America as he departed and is now in Paris with his family. So, I had a little bit of of rant about the ESPYs off the top of this show that you can go back and listen to if you uh, check out the podcast or go to foxsportsradio.com or listen in there. I don't see much in the ESPYs as something that needs to exist. But sometimes news does get made. And on the red carpet last night, Richard Sherman was asked a couple of questions. And Richard Sherman one of the more eloquent men in the NFL, somebody that when he talks, you usually should pay attention, even if you're going to turn out to disagree with what he says. He was asked a question, and as usual, he had an answer. Here's what Richard Sherman had to say about money and power for the players in the NFL. If we want to, as an as a NFL and as a union, want to get anything done, then players got to be willing to strike. You know, I think that's the, the, the thing that guys need to 100% realize is you're going to have to miss games. You're going to have to lose some money if you're willing to make the point because that's how M- MLB and NBA got it done. They, they missed games. They struck. They, they you know, flexed every bit of power they had, and it was awesome. It worked out for them. Um, and also, our players just have to individually negotiate their own deals. You know, I think players get, get caught up in, in, you know, 
oh, I want to be the biggest and baddest, and you got the biggest and baddest fake deal that anybody could have. You know, they're gonna, it's going to pop like a balloon. But instead of taking the three years that you already have fully guaranteed and just ending the deal there, most of these guys are like, oh, no, I want a six-year deal, but only three, three is guaranteed. So why would I take a six-year deal? I don't need a six-year deal. Give me the three, and then the salary cap's going to bump again. And as the three, I'm going to re-up again. And then guys are like, you know, what if I get hurt? What if, well, if you get hurt at the end of the three, then they're probably going to cut you anyway. You know, what's the, what's the real difference? Um, so I think guys need to, to, to reevaluate how they look at contracts and how they look at longevity and, and, and things of that nature because NBA players like, you know, KD and, and uh, LeBron are sitting there taking two-year deals like it's nothing. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, I'll take a two-year deal because I'm going to wait for the salary cap to increase and, and get another bite at the apple. And our- so there is some of what Richard Sherman said on the red carpet last night before the ESPY Awards about the situation with NFL players and money and guaranteed deals and the CBA as compared to the NBA and even MLB where the players do seem to have a lot more power. Jeff, certainly you are much more of an expert on this, having lived in that world for eight years as an NFL lineman. What is your take on what Richard Sherman had to say last night? Well, a lot of things. Um, first of all, I agree with him in the premise. You know, is players, if we want better benefits, and part of the benefits is obviously getting more salary and getting a bigger piece of the pie, because we actually get, I think, the least amount of the pie that other leagues get. Um, we have more players, of course, so it's going to be, that's probably going to end up being that way um, for a little bit. But we have to skip games. And the last negotiation we had in 2011 with the lockout, you know, we signed right before camp. We caved. A lot of guys didn't save money. A lot of guys needed to uh, needed the deal to go through to start getting paid again. You know, guys are taking really high interest loans. Um, we just didn't prepare. And look, we're coming up. Now, I think we have five years left in this in this current contract, and we're trying to make a push now to understand this. Richard Sherman is part of the executive committee of, of NFLPA, so it's part of his job, and he needs to start doing this is going around and telling and spreading this message of what we need to do to get more money. And, you know, striking, it's never going to happen, but when the next negotiations come up and there will be some sort of lockout, is we need to hold out through camp and miss some games to get what we want. Now, guys are going to have to take losses. They're not going to want to get paid. Um, you know, they'll have to understand they're not going to get money. Uh, and that's going to be tough sell for a lot of guys. And unfortunately, while there are a lot of players who save up their money well, who invest well and have a little extra income, a little cushion for a, a, a lockout situation. There are players that do not have that have that luxury, that don't spend their money well, um, have a lot of child support payments, have, you know, end up paying a lot for, for certain things in, in their life, and they can't hold out that long. And that's unfortunate. That's what happens is these guys start calling D. Smith and saying, hey, we need to get a deal done. You know, to Sherman's point about, about the smaller contracts, the guaranteed money, I mean, Go ahead, buddy. Be the first one to do that. It's easy to say that, but you're now you're going to say so. His last deal, I think, was four years, fifty-seven million, something around those. So they're not going to give you like the NFL team is not going to give you a four-year, fifty-seven million dollar contract if you want it to be fully guaranteed. They'll give you a two-year deal for twenty-two million. Are you going to take a two-year deal for twenty-two million? Yeah, right. You're going to take the four-year deal for fifty-seven million because you know that if you stay healthy, you'll get most of that money. If you take a two-year deal for twenty-two million, sure, you get twenty-two million, um, but you're not guaranteed to get that money after those two years. And so that that guaranteed portion, that guaranteed money. Uh, idea has to start with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have to be willing to take less money uh, to get a full guaranteed contract. And I just don't see the incentive at all for a quarterback to do that. One, 
it lowers the entire market value for a quarterback. So let's say the next guy up, I think it's the next big contract, I believe, will be Marcus Mariota. After this third year, he's going to have, I think he'll play really well. I just wrote about him yesterday. It should post to SB Nation today. Um, I can't wait to watch him play. They've improved their entire team around him. Um, I think that he has. they have a chance to get to the AFC Championship game and yep. play the Patriots in New England, and we'll see what happens. But he has got to take less money. So you, are you going to tell him that – Instead of instead of signing a five year deal for one hundred and thirty million, he's going to take a five year deal for one hundred million, or a four year deal for eighty million. So now he's going to make less than the top quarterback. Yes, fully guaranteed. But quarterbacks typically see their entire contract because they don't get hurt and they play well, and he'll keep improving. So why would he take sixty million dollars less, fifty million dollars less over the life of his contract? So an offensive lineman can get some guaranteed money down the road. Um, I think the best compromise for this would be in the new CBA to negotiate penalties for early release. So I got released after two years of my four-year contract. Yes, I made a good amount of money in my first two years, but I left about 40% of that contract on the table when they cut me. And you know there has to be a penalty for that, is that, hey, if you cut a guy early, you owe this percent of his contract back to the guy. Um, that would do more, I think, than trying to force us to take guaranteed contracts because I think in the end, we're just not going to see as much money and the total value of contracts will continue to go down if we decide to go to this guaranteed contract structure. And lastly, I did not know this till recently, though, guaranteed contracts in the NBA and baseball and hockey are not a CBA negotiated item. It has just been concluded um, and negotiated upon that all contracts are guaranteed. So we can fight for it in the CBA. I don't think we'll get it. I think we'll have to give up uh, the two extra games, which I don't think guys want to go to 18 games. Uh, I would not want to play 18 games. So the we, the way we get our leverage is missing games, and then I think we should ask, instead of asking for guaranteed contracts or trying to force it upon certain players to do that in the NFL, we should try to get some sort of penalty put into the CBA to where if you release someone early, then they get a portion of their contract back. So I think it would be accurate to say that you kind of agree with the spirit of some of what Richard Sherman is saying, but in terms of being able to execute that and looking at it from a this-could-actually-happen standpoint, a lot of it would be very murky or very difficult to move because your comment about the quarterbacks is really smart in terms of every new quarterback that gets up that's a great quarterback, usually he's going to become the highest-paid quarterback in the history of the league. And then, then some of the other teams sometimes have to pay their guys a little bit more if they're veterans like an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or somebody like that. Danny, you can speak to this, I know, especially as a huge Raiders fan. Derek Carr, didn't he backload his contract so that the Raiders could keep some of the some of the folks yeah. that they have around so that they have a chance to win as opposed to him making so much money right now that they were going to have to let go some of their skill players? Well, I think it was twofold because obviously with the team moving to Vegas, he's going to save some money on income taxes. So mm-hmm. he's going to save – he's going to um, keep like $8 million that he would have lost had he – you know, the team still been here in California at the back end of his contract. But, yeah, he told Reggie McKenzie straight up, look – can you do something where I don't hurt the overall signings on the team? Because obviously he knew that they were about to re-sign Gabe Jackson. And also the big one coming up, obviously the defensive player of the year in Khalil Mack. Yeah, so I mean that's that's a good thing by him. And of course he's making sense if, if he's going to have the, the different tax situation when he gets out into Vegas. But Sherman, it just seems like there's a different world between what the NBA players can do and what the NFL players can do. 
even with the union and then CBA and all of those kinds of things. I do think that the NBA did themselves well in their last CBA in terms of what they could get for their players for a few years, but sports rights bubble and all of those kinds of things that Clay has talked about so many times are going to change the trajectory of what NBA players are going to be able to make at some point in the near future as well. So it's something that yeah. that we'll continue to have to sort of speak about, certainly. Another thing yeah, the cap that... Went, the cap went down in the NBA this year. Yes. Uh, it went down, what, $3 million? Yeah. I think from, it was. From the projected cap. So, that, I mean, that's that's a, that's a, that's a... I mean, that was because the playoffs were so short, but, I mean, that's that's a lot of money when you think about overall throughout the NBA. I mean, that's $90 million about that's less spent on players. Yeah, so that's one person in the NBA or in the NFL that spoke this week. Another was Peyton Manning, not just last night at the ESPYs, but he did not turn down a golf invite from the president of the United States. And in 2017, that's a huge problem. But what he said, well, as usual, I agree with Peyton Manning. We'll talk about that coming up. But first, let's find out what's trending. Welcome back to Outkick the Coverage here. Fox Sports Radio Studios are brought to you by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We're also brought to you this morning by True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. And on average, you can then save over $3,000 off MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I'm Jason Martin. He's Jeff Schwartz. We're in for Clay Travis, who is overseas. He'll be back on Monday. Jeff down in Charlotte, me in Nashville, Danny G and Justin spinning the Dials radio style out in L.A. right now. So we're just all over the country here without kick the coverage. So we talked there about Richard Sherman and what he said about the money in the NFL and the players maybe needing to strike in order to get closer to what some of these NBA players have in terms of unilateral control Peyton Manning also asked and and was and was pretty matter of fact about this said that a lot of people tried to talk him out of golfing with Donald Trump last month but he never hesitated in accepting the invitation and as usual I agree with Peyton Manning here's what he said I heard Arnold Palmer say one time if the president of the United States ever asked you to play golf you do it it's a no-brainer it was a fantastic experience we rode in the motorcade over to the course and I never felt safer playing golf he said that to Jimmy Kimmel on ABC on Tuesday night. Now, Peyton Manning is a Republican. He did play golf with President Bush, with W, but he said he would have inv- accepted an invitation from either Obama or Clinton if he had been asked as well. Said, I'd be there in a heartbeat. It was just the experience of playing with the office that was pretty cool to me, and I think it would have been almost un-American to have said no. And guess what? I agree with virtually every word that he just said. If I was asked to play with President Obama, who I certainly did not vote for either time, I would also be there. This uh, this this calls into question recent statements or recent ideas that the Golden State Warriors are not going to go as a team to the White House when Donald Trump invites them for the celebration. And I said at the time when this kind of first broke, and this was the day after the NBA Finals that this started being speculated about because my God, we can't even go 24 hours before we have to turn the NBA championship into something political. That I think that the process and the procedure and just the ceremonial asking of all of these various champions to come to the White House needs to stop. Because I think it's ridiculous. Not because I think that the president doesn't have time for a 30-minute photo op with these champions and all that. Just because it creates questions and it creates speculation that don't need to exist 
and it's just unnecessary. It's like, I, you know, I know, whatever, Trump watches, if he watches sports, great. Obama was a sports guy. Clinton liked Arkansas basketball. Reagan was a big sports guy. He was the one that really started ushering in more of the champions at a time. Ford, Nixon, all of these folks. I get it to an extent, but I think it's just kind of an unnecessary exercise. And the question that just drove me insane on this Golden State Warriors thing was, it wasn't even a question, it was it was somebody on, guess where, ESPN, that said, and it was in the morning, he said that the question is going to change from why aren't you going to why in the world would you go? That is absurd. It does not always have to be about politics. If the president invites you to do something like that, it is good for the country. If you have some kind of real, real objection like hardcore objection and you're an activist for a living, I can understand that. But that to me, I just think the exercise of president inviting ex-athlete team for a celebration should be gone. Now, the Peyton Manning thing, Jeff, is completely different. He was just invited by Trump to play golf, and he said he would do it for any president, kind of the same thing. I think that's different. That's an individual decision by the office and an individual decision by the athlete, whether or not they want to spend time on the links for a few hours uh, with with each other. But in terms of teams going to the White House, I think this is done far too often, and honestly, I think it's a procedure that should just stop altogether. If you follow me on Twitter, which you should be doing, at Jeff Schwartz, Jeff with a G, um, my feelings for our current president are very well are very well known. Are However, they? Um, yes. I'm kidding. Okay. I was about to say, I was like, you should, you, if you follow me, you know my, uh, yes. my current feelings about that situation. But, however, if you were to ask me to play golf with them, of course I play golf with them. I mean, I don't understand why anyone would turn that down. The President of the United States has requested your presence and you go golf with them. It's, it's, it's golf. And maybe you throw in there a couple questions about, some politics. Why not? I, I'm, if, if he asked me to golf, I probably would ask some inappropriate questions. He would probably would throw me off the course, but I would go do it. Um, I'll do it anyways. How, and the White House visit thing for me, um, you know, I, I don't think I have as strong a take as you about not doing it. I'm okay with them, with them doing. It. I mean, if you know Donald Trump can spend the whole morning watching Fox and Friends, he can go you know spend 30 minutes with a with a team honoring them. I think it's a big honor to be invited to the White House. Look, I still think. That the presidency matters in this country. I think it's an important job, important role. You are the leader of our country. Um, so I think that still has a lot of honor. And so if you get invited as a team to the White House, it's it's still an honor to me. And I love history. I was going to major in history before I took an mm-hmm. environmental history class. And I said, I'm out here. But I majored in political science. And I've never been to the White House. I've been to D.C. a couple times. I've viewed everything but actually being in the White House. So if I was on a team, with, you know, I was on the Patriots. We won the championship this year. Uh, Super Bowl, I would go to the White House. I think I would enjoy the history of the White House. I would enjoy being with my teammates. But I don't have to enjoy being around Donald Trump. I can enjoy the rest of the atmosphere and how cool it is to be in the White House because I still feel that it has a significant part in our in our in our country. It's an important uh, role. I think I could still enjoy um, doing that, going to visit. Be with my teammates. Yeah, I might shake the president's hand. I might shake other people's hands, but I don't have to enjoy being in his presence if that if that makes sense. Um, and so I still think that there should be some respect paid to the president. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's a once in a lifetime. Well, for many folks, I guess if you're the Patriots, you might have more chances. But most <laughs> chances, a lot of teams are. You're only going to get one chance. 
to go to the White House, to go to the Oval Office, to have that moment. If you're going to have that moment, have it. Do you, What do you expect? That Donald Trump's going to be a jerk to you because you guys disagree politically? Like he's not going to be classy and, and all of that kind See, of stuff? I, like I whatever you want to say, that, that's not the way it is. I also think that, that Donald Trump, and I don't want to get too much into politics, I don't think he... I don't think anyone thinks he's a jerk, if that makes like I think that his I think he's been swayed in certain directions for political benefit, but he is you know, if you go back to how he has been with people, I mean there's he has a lifelong friends who support him no matter yes. what he says or yes. does. Um so I think that he would not act like a jerk. I think, you know, like McGregor, I think Trump is a showman. Exactly and, my comparison and, too. He's a provocateur just like Conor McGregor. Right. And and I think that you know there's statements he makes at times that you know he has no idea what he's doing in that office, and he's a great showman. Um, and I think that if you went if you went to the White House, he would not say anything. Like I think if even if Colin Kaepernick showed up to the White House to meet with Donald Trump, Donald Trump would not get into politics with him. I really, I mean, I don't think that he wants, he doesn't want that conversation. He wants people to love being around him. And if he invites the Warriors there, and the Warriors have been very vocal, Steve Kerr's been very vocal, which is their right. They can do that. I'm fine with athletes and coaches speaking their mind. I think it's great when we can um, uh, openly talk about our feelings uh, and, and, the way we feel about you know politics, I think we've lost that in our in our society where we can't talk anymore and uh, without being people being outraged and upset and angry and just can't communicate back and forth. So, but I think if if they went there, I don't think Trump would talk at all about what they've said about him in the past. I think he just wants to be around people that that he admires, that he respects, that. Um, and he can be the center of attention. So that's why I think that if you went, he would treat it like a normal visit. Um, but look, if they don't want to go, they don't have to go. Um, and also, you know, you mentioned at the very top of this discussion how it was tweeted out right after they won the championship that they weren't going. That was false. That yeah, that, was. I don't think it's been decided yet. And it bothered me so much to see somebody who clearly did this just to get the retweets because he didn't know. And, and if you look at his profile, he was like – the business reporter for like CNBC. It was like not, it wasn't even remotely close to the Warriors. And to go ahead and tweet this out, I think it was in poor taste. I was disappointed by it. And it was just to get reaction from social media, to get up his followers, to get a bunch of retweets. And it was completely false. Do I think the Warriors go to the White House? Um, Some of them are not. not. But, I think Iguodala we, said he's not going, for example. But we won't know until they actually go to the East Coast for their for their road trip this year. They go play the Wizards. We, we don't know until that actually happens what they're going to do. So, you know, things – look – the political world is moving fast. Things might be different by the time they go play the Warriors. Um, so we don't know what's going to happen. But I think that if half the team's not going to go, I think they should just cancel altogether. I don't think you should make it to where um, the five guys go and eight guys don't. I think that would be way too awkward. It would raise too many questions. It would turn discussion somewhere that shouldn't be. And so if if one or two guys don't want to go, then you still go. But if not, just don't even show up. Yeah, see, I just think it adds it asks questions that don't really need to be asked. It's... If you don't ask a team to go, then we don't even have to have this discussion. Then if Andre Iguodala wants to make a political statement, he can just make a political statement on his own about whatever he wants to instead of, oh, he's not going to the White House. Well, that must mean this. That, to me, is just circling the bull. That is not what we need at all. Like, if athletes want to talk, like you said, that's fine. I can then evaluate them based on their statements if I agree or disagree with them, if that affects my like or dislike of them as an athlete, like a Kaepernick, for example. Kaepernick made that decision. But when you ask a team to go to the White House and Tim Thomas or whoever it is decides they're not going to go for whatever reason, then that changes things. And I just think that if you don't ask them, 
then we don't even have to worry about this. Then it's up to the player to go on Twitter and make a political statement or in the next press conference that he has, the next time after a game that he wants to say something he can as opposed to being forced into one extreme or another. I know we've got some calls on the line. We've actually got three, one in Utah, one in South Carolina, and our boy G-Dub in Cincinnati. You guys hang on. we got to take a break. When we come back, we will hear your thoughts on this. Our telephone number is 877-996-6369. That's 877-99 on Fox. Glad to have you with us this morning. It's Jay Martin Jeff here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back inside the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios here for the Outkick the Coverage radio program. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz in for Clay Travis. He's back on Monday. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We're going to end the hour on your phone calls. We talked a little bit about Peyton Manning deciding, yeah, he'll play golf with the president and talking to, to Jimmy Kimmel about that last month, saying that a lot of folks had said, hey, you shouldn't do that. And we sort of expanded that to talk about the Golden State Warriors and the controversy over whether or not they as a team or some of the individual players are going to reject an invitation from the White House uh, and the tweet that came out from CNBC the night of the NBA Finals that said that it looks like a team decision's been made that they're not, which turned out to be erroneous. Of course it did. So let's go to Cincinnati, our good buddy G-Dub, who I talk to a lot more than sometimes Clay does, as he and I just like to, I guess, banter back and forth from time to time. G-W, glad to have you on the show. How are you? What's going on, fellas? How's it going? Good, buddy. Good, good. Hey, Jeff, you're doing a great job, man. It's good to hear you, brother, on there. Th- thank you. appreciate hey, look- it. Let me, let me just say this, guys, and I, I don't want to insult you by saying, damn, the, you know, two white guys just can't understand why the most progressive, uh, probably forward-leaning league full of African-Americans might not want to go to a White House and, and, I don't know, honor a guy or be in the presence of a guy who insulted the very first African-American president in U.S. history by suggesting that he might not be American. Matter of fact, he did it to the extent to where the first African-American president had to go out of his way to the point to where he had to show his birth certificate. You do understand where I'm coming from, don't you guys? And yeah, you do I mean, understand my, where totally. a black yeah. man might suggest that they don't want to be in the presence of that guy. Well, my take on the whole thing, though, GW, is that the invitation should be rescinded, not to the Warriors, but to everybody, because it forces people to make a stand when maybe they don't want to. Like, there's a lot of people. I know, GW, your politics are out in the open. Mine are, Clay's are, Jeff's are on Twitter. There are a lot of people that are political that you don't know about. But this forces you to either go or not go, and then you're going to get asked questions why you did or why you didn't. I think that the whole exercise sort of makes it so much harder for you to stay in the background on that if you want to. Iguodala is more open out there, but he can make statements on his own time. Like, I understand why i understand the reasoning behind some folks not wanting to go to visit donald trump the same way i would obama or anybody else i just think the entire thing should be scrapped yeah but, but of, i think that's, that but but jason I, I quite honestly man i think that's taking a responsibility from the from the man that's sitting in office who said some of the most untoward things that have ever come out of the office of the presidency i mean put it this way i disagree with george w bush in the war in iraq i disagree with his treatment uh, or how he handled the, the uh, relief of the people in Hurricane Katrina. But I would probably still go to the White House, to, you know, if my team won. But what happened with Donald J. Trump is completely different than any other president than we ever had. And, again, we're talking about a man that said that he wanted to ban Muslims. He, he insulted the very first African-American president by suggesting that he's not American. 
And I could kind of see why, I don't know, again, a league full of African-Americans who are pretty big Obama fans probably feel insulted that you insulted the first African-American president with the highest insult by trying to suggest that he might not be one of us. All right, fair enough, I, GW. We got to let you go because we're going to be in our final minute. Jeff, you understand my point, right? Like I know, no, I, what, I know point. what GW's saying. No, I understand his point as well. I, when I said what I thought about, that was my personal opinion about why I would go to the White House. Um, you know, I'm Jewish. There are neo Nazis in the White House right now. I mean, that's not that's that's true. Uh, um, I would. I think that's different than what Trump has said for about Obama and things like that. Um, but I would still, I would still go. I'm just, that's my opinion. I understand where G Dub's coming from. Uh, I totally get that. And like you said, I mean, you have a right to not go. Andre Iguodala doesn't want to go. That's fine. I understand. But now, if it. you don't go, you you're going to be asked why you don't go. And that's why I think you get rid of it all together. Because well, would, then you would, get rid I mean, of the questions. I know we got it. We got it. We got. We got if like I didn't 10 go, I'd left. be honest about why I didn't want to go, though. Yeah. All right. So we, we might keep this going here on the other side. This is Outkick the coverage. More to come here on Fox Sports Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Fox Sports Radio studios brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Outkick the coverage radio program today also brought to you by AutoZone. Heat is the main cause of battery failure, so it's important to have a tough battery. Duralast batteries are designed and tested to start in extreme temperatures up to 167 degrees. They're proven tough. They're sold only at AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Last night was the ESPYs. And I laid out a rant off the top, and I'm going to quickly reset that for you as the West Coast is waking up, and that was where the ESPYs were last night. I'm just going to do this list again, just ones that I kind of off the top of my head wrote down last night. Cy Young, Lombardi Trophy, Larry O'Brien, Stanley Cup, WWE Championship, Triple Crown Rookie of the Year, MVP, Vezina, Conn Smythe, Crystal Football, Gold Cup, Great Cup, World Cup, Clara Jug, Green Jacket, World Series, Pennant, Gold Medal, Silver Medal, and yes, even a Bronze Medal just to name a few. So where does SB award winner go in an athlete's obituary? To me, somewhere around Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award recipient. The last time I've ever looked at an athlete and thought, man, that dude is a five-time SB award winner, I can't recall it because it's never happened. How impressive is winning an SB? That's why I don't watch the show. I like to go and, and find the athletes that are getting just skewered during the monologue. So what did I do? Well, I went online and I found Peyton Manning's very well done, very well crafted monologue that did, that the joke writers and script writers wrote for him that he executed perfectly. And I laughed and I paid attention to who was able to take the joke and who wasn't. And Kevin Durant played along, thought that was good for Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook played along, thought that was good for him. PK Subban was part of the act and he was great. So that was awesome. And then I find out, hey, you know, there's a really good human interest story like Jarius Robertson. And that was absolutely fantastic because he won the Jimmy V Award. So I found that segment online. But in terms of the awards themselves, I didn't watch any of this because I don't care. Like, I'll find those few segments and consume them that way as I did before we went on the air this morning. But the next day that I care about who actually wins any ESPY award is going to be the first. I find the entire process, the entire show, utterly ridiculous. It's been on for 25 years. If they had just thrown on a good 30 for 30 last night, I'd have watched ESPN. But instead, I watched BoJack Horseman for the fourth time on Netflix. That's what I said off the top, and it was absolutely true. And I think my night was better than yours if you sat through that entire award show. Sports is celebrated every day. There are more awards given out for sports than any other discipline of entertainment, by far. 
Awards are given for merit on the field. Champions are given trophies because they are champions. Fans' subjective votes are ridiculous, absurd, and meaningless. So when you think about all the many award shows, and there are way too many, where groups and classifications and disciplines celebrate one another, the ESPYs, to me, is the most irrelevant and a continued joke year after year after year. But I do want to congratulate them on 25 years for whatever that means. But, but Jeff, as we bring in Jeff Schwartz, former NFL lineman, eight-year veteran who's been with me all week, Jeff, I did think Peyton Manning did a very good job. After I just buried the ESPYs for two and a half minutes, I did think Peyton did a really good job executing those jokes. His timing was great. And yet again, when you see him speak, you just, you just have to like that guy. He's, a, he's such an affable individual. Yeah, and I you know I agree with you as far as the point of award shows. Like in general, to me, I'm not a, as I grow older. I'm 31 now. I don't find the need to watch award shows in general. I feel um, as though my opinion on what I feel about a movie, what I feel about music, or how I feel about athletes shouldn't change based on an award show. And the premise of the ESPYS to help the Jimmy V Foundation is excellent. They do raise a lot of money for that. The um, the personal pieces um, about people that get the Jimmy V Award are generally excellent. I'll, I'll watch those. The monologues are good, but I must not worked up over you know, what athlete wins an award. By the way, do you know the athlete with the most ESPYs? I don't, as a matter of fact. 25 years, it would have been too late for Jordan to have won enough. So I'm trying to think if it's an NFL player or an NBA player. I'm thinking I will go with LeBron. It is Tiger Woods with oh, okay. 21. Okay, well, that makes sense. Okay. 21. So I, I think to your point, though, in his obituary, it's going to mention his golf accomplishments first. Then it's going to mention his Thanksgiving uh, accomplishments second. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that story, then probably, I'm sure he'll. His charity work, his his foundation will be next. You know, he, I'm sure he might design some golf courses one day. He might already have designed them. That'll be next, and all those other things. And then maybe at the very bottom, it'll say 21 time SB winners. I, I unfortunately don't think he's going to win any more SBs uh, moving forward. Probably not, unless there's some kind of lifetime achievement award down the line. Because it certainly but appears a, like, yeah, go ahead. But yesterday, I mean, it makes sense why they do it. Yesterday, yesterday was the only day of the year with not one major professional sports game. Oh and yeah, it I makes know. sense to want to do it on that day. You know, people want to be in Los Angeles. It's the weather's probably was good yesterday. I don't know. I assume it was nice. I mean, I'm from there, and in downtown LA, it'll get hot. But most, I'm sure, most of the people there stayed in in Manhattan Beach or Santa Monica or in Orange County, where it's nice and cool. And it's probably a break from where they've been at this summer. So I understand why they do that, and people want to be seen at this award show, and people want to be there, and it's Los Angeles and um, and whatnot. So I get why they do it. But to me, like I'm not going to spend my time being worked up over a show that um, – an award show that just doesn't do anything for me. How many athletes have their ESPYs on their mantle, do you think? I mean, really? Well, I mean, if I won an SB, that would be basically my first award. So I'd probably be right in the middle of my mantle. Well, you, I'm talking my, about like athletes people care about. Southern, next to my Southern California Jewish Sports Hall. I caught what you just said, by the way. <laughs> next to my Southern California Jewish Sports Hall of Fame award. I caught what you said. Um, I will ignore that because we've had a good couple of days. Yes, uh, no. Positive, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I just think that that, like I said, it's more about the guys wanting to to be known and um, and be there at the SBs. Like I said, I've been told to go there to increase my brand, and and I just have not wanted to do that, and I don't feel you know the need to do that. And um, so yeah, that's kind of the end of my story and what happened with SBs. I'm just not I'm not as worked up about it over as you are about the idea of award shows. I don't watch the Academy Awards, really. I watch the Grammys for the musical uh, performances, and half the time I don't even know who, who's performing. I have no idea. I just I just watch it. And um, and yeah, so it's not it doesn't work me up as much as it does you. Well, I mean, I think there are too many award shows. I don't have any problem with the Oscars or the Emmys or the Tonys or the Grammys like those, but I just think the ESPYs is a completely unnecessary exercise and a way for a sports network to try and prop its importance up when it's completely and totally irrelevant to what actually goes on. But I enjoy most award shows. The Emmy nominations come out today, and I'll be writing about that at OutKick.com. But I saw, you know, I made a comment about the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards, and former and powerful child actor Justin Cooper out in L.A., part of our OutKick (laughs) team here, known for being Max Reed and Liar Liar, said, don't knock Kids' Choice. I'm going to bring Justin in. Justin, did you win a Kids' Choice Award for Liar Liar, I'm assuming? Um, No, I did not. Were you nominated? No, uh, I believe back then, uh, Liar Liar, like I, I believe they didn't really do movies that were that, uh, I don't know, I guess, adult in nature. Okay, all right, well, fair enough. Did you? So why do you care if I'm knocking the Kids' Choice Awards? Oh, it was I, I got invited to the Kids' Choice Awards oh, many times, and Topanga? it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, she, you know, she she was there, but it was. As far as I, I, I mean, I haven't been to like you know any Oscars after parties or stuff like that. But obviously, for for a kid, it was really cool. After the you know award shows were finished, they had after parties and they were full of all kinds of you know cool little like booths and and things. You know the hand wax and just different stuff like that. And then of course everybody on Nickelodeon's hanging around. Keenan and Kel are there, and it was it was a lot of fun. Okay. All right. I just wanted to give you a chance to announce if you won. Did you ever win any awards? Um, yes, a, a Blockbuster Entertainment Award. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a golden, not to steal Ben Maller, but do you have a golden ticket, like one of the Blockbuster tickets? Is that how that award looked? Did it have like the Blockbuster logo on it? To be to be honest, I don't even I don't even have the award. So I I don't know what it what it looks like. Just like an ESPY, it's in somebody's like fourth drawer exactly. underneath their spatulas <laughs> and egg beaters. Exactly, about, it's about how important Man. it is. Your uh, mom, wait, Coop, your mom doesn't have that on the mantle at her house. No, no, I don't. I don't even. And apparently, I, I've also won. Like, if you if you look it up anywhere on the internet, apparently, I've also won a Young Star Award. I don't even. I've never even seen that one. What is that? I've never even heard of a Young Star. Oh. Your mom had you on Benadryl was, that day. Was that for Liar Liar or was that for Dennis the Menace Strikes Back? Or that horse movie with the talking horse it, it, that de- looks like the single worst film ever created on oh, Earth. Man. It definitely wasn't for the horse movie that I still have not even seen to this day. Uh, no, it, it might have been for uh, for General Hospital, to be honest. Oh, you did General Hospital? Yeah, I was on that for a couple of years. For a couple wow. of years? Yep. How many episodes? I don't remember uh, a lot of them. Were you a daughter of someone a, a that daughter. was? No, I was not. I mean, a son. <laughs> I don't know. Like, if you see your hair these days, you could pass both ways. It, uh, yeah, I was the son of um, Bobby and Tony. All right, you've just named two. Those are two names that could possibly be made up. Like I have, have no idea what's going I, on. I, in fi- I figure, I figured you probably seen all the episodes. 
Yeah, look, I'm a TV a, critic. I'm and not had a, a blog critic. about it and a fan group chat. <laughs> Danny, you want to keep going with that, bud? Like you just <laughs> well, you just called him a girl, so I figured I could throw some jabs. Well, I, I called him a daughter by accident, but his hair look a little bit questionable. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We were talking about Richard Sherman's comments uh, about the NFL players potentially needing to strike. He said that on the red carpet last night at that award show. I'm not going to name again. Um, and we played that audio. Maybe we'll play it again. But then Jeff had a very poignant take. You should go back and listen to the Outkick, the coverage podcast. Subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, wherever. Go to FoxSportsRadio.com. You can listen to it there. We're taking over. But Jeff has now been going back and forth with people on Twitter that, again, are talking about how much money players make in comparison to what the fans make. And this is a constant refrain whenever athletes' money is brought up. So I'm going to give Jeff a chance to kind of go off unfettered on that coming up so you absolutely don't want to miss that stick around it's jeff and jmart it's outkick the coverage in for clay here on fox sports radio live from the geico fox sports radio studios welcome back to the outkick the coverage radio program what does it mean when geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on your car insurance well it means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago i'm jason martin nfl veteran jeff schwartz with me all week long clay travis back on monday danny g justin cooper out in la making it happen Richard Sherman was asked last night on the red carpet about the differences in money between what the NBA players are able to make under guaranteed contracts and some of their extensions compared to what the NFL players can make. And as usual, a very thoughtful individual is Richard Sherman, one of the most thoughtful in the entire NFL. Even if you disagree with him sometimes, he usually says things that are poignant and worth paying attention to. And here is how he responded to that question last night on the red carpet. If we want to as an as a NFL and as a union want to get anything done, then players got to be willing to strike. You know, I think that's the, the, the thing that guys need to 100% realize is you're going to have to miss games, you're going to have to lose some money if you're willing to make the point because that's how M- MLB and NBA got it done. They, they missed games, they struck, they, they, you know, flexed every bit of power they had, and it was awesome. It worked out for them. Um, and also our players just have to individually negotiate their own deals. You know, I think players get, get caught up and, and you know, Oh, I want to be the biggest and baddest, and you got the biggest and baddest fake deal that anybody could have. You know, they're gonna it's gonna pop like a balloon. But instead of taking the three years that you already have fully guaranteed and just ending the deal there, most of these guys are like, oh no, I want a six-year deal, but only three three is guaranteed. So why would I take a six-year deal? I don't need a six-year deal. Give me the three, and then the salary cap's gonna bump again. And as the three, I'm gonna re-up again. And then guys are like, you know, what if I get hurt? What if, what if you get hurt at the end of the three? Then they're probably gonna cut you anyway. You know, what's the what's the real difference? Um, so I think guys need to, to to reevaluate how they look at contracts and how they look at longevity and, and, and things of that nature because NBA players like, you know, KD and, and uh, LeBron are sitting there taking two-year deals like it's nothing. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, I'll take a two-year deal because I'm going to wait for the salary cap to increase and, and get another bite at the apple. In our sport, they won't do it. So that's Richard Sherman last night on the ESPYs red carpet. And Jeff spoke kind of in detail about this last hour. A good reason to uh, check out the Outkick the Coverage podcast through iTunes and everywhere else that you uh, can consume podcasts. But Jeff, a lot of folks kind of going at you on Twitter. I'm going to read their tweets individually and let you respond to them. But before Let's that, just your overall thoughts on what Sherman had to say, and then we'll get to those tweets. Well, his premise is right. I mean, to get more money or to get more guaranteed money, we have to hold out. Like Our leverage for getting what we want really at this point is either we go to 18 games, which I don't think anyone wants to do, 18 games would just be a tro- – it would be bad. Um, and the other leverage we have is sitting out games. And the previous lockout, I was part of that. And, you know, the, a lot of these 
players right now that speak up about this, we're not part of the previous lockout. And so we as players that we were told, to, I came in 2008, the uncapped year was 2010, the lockout was after that year, so tw- the early part of 2011, we were told, save our money, save our money, save our money. They started, they put a fund together for us, so we had a little bit of money in the off season to keep us going, but guys were not prepared, and you know, it's sad. There are a lot of guys, I did not know this, I, I talked to my agent about this one time, and he brought this up to me, that a lot of guys do live almost paycheck to paycheck, and we get paid only during the season, unless you have roster bonuses and things like that, but typically you only get paid actually during the um during the season. So I mean guys have to be good about saving money in the off season or you know putting it away a certain way. So so yeah. So we get to the, we get to the lockout, guys are running out of money, guys are taking high interest loans and we caved a little bit. I mean we could have we made it to the second to last day before camp, last day before camp and I think that if we had if we had sat out some preseason games and sat out some regular season games where owners actually started losing money that we have leverage. So Sherman's right. To, I don't think a strike it's not a strike. I mean, I guess it's a strike during the season if we would do that, but you know, the offseason doesn't matter. We have to get to a point where we miss regular season games and there'll be a lockout at some point, I assume again. And that's where we need to get to. So I agree with that. You know, the guaranteed contract part of his statement, I mean, it's uh, it's easier to say that Guys should take less money for guaranteed contracts, but I don't see the incentive for that. It has to be quarterback first. Why would a quarterback take less money knowing that they're probably going to see the whole contract because they don't get hurt to just help out everyone else? I just don't see the incentive in doing it. An agent's not going to tell his player to take less money than he's worth, especially when agents and us as players judge a lot of um, our worth based on average uh, average money a year, right? A yearly, right, what right, a yearly right. salary is, right? So I don't see why they would take any less money for that. Okay, so here are some of the tweets that came in, and some of these are just ones you hear. Every single time money is brought up with athletes, and if they're complaining that they're not making enough or if uh, they're not getting a big enough piece of the pie, as it's usually termed. But here's the first tweet that came in to you that you responded to. No matter how much more money those ballers get, they will still end up broke due to child support payments and bad investments. Your response to that? I mean, sure, there are players that go broke um, for many reasons. But, I mean, I think that the problem with is we have these 30 for 30 broke. There are far more athletes that save their money, that are good husbands, fathers, um, good job in the community, have jobs when they're done playing. Um, and so we only hear about the guys that go broke. I mean, that's kind of an unfair characterization, uh, characterization about NFL players. I will, however, say that um, – the average NFL career is three years. If you play those three years, you are you make I would say around a million dollars, maybe a little bit more than that, um, which is a lot for a lot of people, a lot of money, right? And, I, and truly, that's true. And I'm going to be the after taxes guy here, and I know everyone's going to hate this, but you know you're you're making five hundred thousand, depends what what city, what you know what state you're in. Um, roughly, say five hundred grand. You're giving three percent to your agent. Um, you're buying a house, possibly, or you're buying your parents a house. You buy yourself a nice car. Um, you have you take a couple nice trips. The money's gone. I mean, it's not. It's it's uh, it seems kind of um, odd for me to say that because I, I think people would feel like if I had a million dollars, I wouldn't lose it either. But yeah, um, you know, more money, more problems. It's true. I mean, you start spending more money when you have it, and it's not smart, but. A lot of players end up going broke, and there are guys that make millions of dollars that go broke, but there also are players who I assume go broke that don't make a lot of money in the NFL, relatively don't make a lot of money in the NFL. Yeah, how much, um, just thinking about this based on some of the things you just said, how many athletes or how many folks come out of the woodwork legitimately 
family members, good friends, and want their piece of the pie? And how easy is it for an athlete to fall into the trap of giving away a lot of money, thinking they have a lot of money, only to discover too late that they really didn't have the money, and then all of a sudden they actually are in a problem financially? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've never had a problem with hanger honors. I'm lucky because my parents have done well in their lives and they have not had to worry. And, I, and I've not had to worry about, about financially supporting them. And my brother obviously plays the NFL. I mean, I don't know. I think it depends for everyone. I think it's important to have uh, a no man, uh, someone who says yeah. no. And my agent has done that. I mean, I don't have to have that problem, but he's that guy and done that in the past. Next tweet, while I agree with you about good people, doesn't this all stem from an NFL player being jealous about an NBA player's salary? Um, sure, but uh, it comes from, I think that we're not jealous about the salaries. I think we are jealous about the security. They have guaranteed contracts. Um, they make, see, the worst thing is interesting because we make about, like, if you take a percent of what we make as far as our revenue, what NBA players make, it's kind of about the same, even though they get more of the pie sort of-ish. But I think it's just that we're jealous about the guaranteed contracts, you know, and the, the length of contracts. So if guys sign two-year contracts, and then in three years they can they can get um, even more even more money, and we really can't do that at times. And then the third tweet, guarantees good father's comfort. Nice words. But how much is too much? Most fans are all these things and have a hard time attending one game. That's the one you hear more than any other is comparing an athlete's salary to that of the everyday fan that comes in and how dare an athlete ask for more money based on what they already make compared to what the people that come to see them are making and your thoughts on that. Um. Look, I get prices for games are expensive, um, and I understand that. I, I sympathize with fans for that. I've talked about this. Like, eh, like I've been to only one NFL game, and that was last year with my brother. But generally, um, I would stay home. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that staying home, um, you have your own TV, you have your own facilities, you have your own couch and your own fridge and no traffic, and the weather's great in your house and things like that. Um, I get all that, but you know, just like how you are trying to improve your life and make more money in your job just like everyone else's and it's capitalism right uh we're trying to do the same and if we feel that we're not paid a certain price and certain value that we deserve then we're going to fight for more and i don't see any problem with that you're okay with in your life or anyone else fighting for a lot of money but you're not okay with us doing that i don't see the i kind of see that's uh, that's contradictory it's very hypocritical of you talking about capitalism being the communist hippie that you are all right we're going to go ahead (laughs) and take a break come back on the other side after trending and we'll talk about this old miss mess and Houston Nutt and his defamation of character lawsuit against the university and really going hard at Hugh Freeze. So stick around for that. But first, let's find out what's trending. Welcome back inside the Fox Sports Radio studios. We're brought to you by GEICO. As always, it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Go to GEICO.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Today's program also brought to you by our great friends over at True Car. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for and on average save over $3,000 off the MSRP. Whether you're looking for a newer used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Jeff Schwartz down in Charlotte. Jason Martin here in Nashville. Danny G. Justin out in L.A talking all sorts of things on today's show. The one thing we have not gotten to is this defamation lawsuit filed by former coach Houston Nutt against Ole Miss, alleging that Hugh Freeze and other school officials created a, quote, false narrative, unquote, in an effort to place primary blame 
on the former coach for the recent NCAA investigations. Nutt is seeking damages to cover lost wages, embarrassment, attorney's fees, punitive damages, and emotional distress. But without question, the bus is being rolled over Hugh Freeze if Houston Nutt is driving it. Like That is the main thing here, saying that he conducted off-the-record conversations with journalists, which is not something that doesn't happen all the time all across the country, as part of a smear campaign against Houston Nutt to try and take some of the pressure, some of the onus off of the current coach and place it on the former administration so as not to affect recruiting and maybe lessen some of the implications of some of these things that have been going on. Jeff, I know you know you read through this, and I'm not going to put a lawyer hat on here. Like I really considered putting the lawyer hat on here. You do want to go to outkick.com, by the way, and read Clay's piece from yesterday. He's got some of the official documents there, and he's reacting to them in a very expert way, and uh, it's definitely worth your time. But this is a mess, right? Like this is, and what great timing if you're Houston Nutt to do this the afternoon before Hugh Freeze has to stand up in front of a ton of media down in Hoover, Alabama today for the SEC Media Days. You know what I just did? I put on my my lawyer hat. Here we oh, go. Oh, here we no. go. We need for lawyer. Our lawyer we, haven't, we haven't put our lawyer hat on this week. We haven't. Um, we got to do it. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I. Couldn't believe this. I mean, re- you know, reading through all the court documents, I'm not very good at that. Obviously, that's why Clay is is who he is. Is is he's a lawyer and he can read through this stuff. And you read his he is? article. I had no idea. Um, yeah, no idea. Does he have kids too? Yeah, um, three of them, I think. I, I mean, I think that you know, it's obviously Houston Nutt feels very scorned in this situation. Um, and I remember when that recruiting class in 2013 of Kendiche and Tunsil and uh, I forget who the third one, Treadwell. And you're like, old, old Miss? Like, I think we all assumed they were cheating, we right? We knew I, they I, were I, cheating. Like, the second so, you saw them get that so, class, you're like, all right, what did they do? So, is that on Houston Nutt or Hugh Freeze, who's there at the time? I mean, it's two years after Nutt got fired. Um, so, it's basically it's one season removed from him getting fired, essentially, because the 2013 class is before the 2013 season. Yeah. Um, and then the 2016 class, obviously, was was very good as well. I mean, I, if they're, if he, he he pulled phone records from Hugh Freeze who and shows that Hugh Freeze was calling other media outlets, um, basically, as the source, right, um, for all this stuff. So, yeah, he's like a scorn lover, and he did it right before SEC Media Day. So I'm sure Hugh Freeze will get asked a bunch of questions about it today. Um, and it's it's a mess, man. I mean, obviously he's not going to work for Old Miss again. And he, and you know, I think Houston Nutt maybe feels like he can never coach again, and he maybe had opportunities to coach, and and people stayed away from him. So that's why he's following this lawsuit. But this is it's a pretty crazy story. And Old Miss too. I mean, you know, it's not like it's Alabama or Florida. It's at a school that, you know, traditionally has not been a football power. They've always been sort of on the cusp, even when they have like Eli Manning or when Jevin Sneed was playing really good, like maybe Ole Miss could do some damage and then they would win and they'd be undefeated and then they would play Alabama lose and then lose out. Like after that, they would completely fall yeah. apart is kind of the way that it would go. But Houston Nutt in what he's saying and how he's basically asserting that Ole Miss and specifically Freeze did what they could to make all of the problems appear like they came under nut or that they just didn't have anything to do with football. This is ultimate cover-your-ass material by Hugh Freeze, trying to make sure that recruits feel like they can go there, that he's not going to lose his job, that he did nothing wrong. And I think Nutt even alleges at some point here that this is not a new thing, that this is kind of how Hugh Freeze does business and that a lot of people don't know that. 
the questions today at Media Day, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more about this on tomorrow's program to finish the week, are going to be interesting. Because if yes. you're Hugh Freeze, Jeff, how do you answer this? Do you just say no comment and move on? Because that at this point, nobody is going to want to talk about Ole Miss football today. Nobody's yeah. going to talk about uh, what's going to happen on the line or how the second corner is going to play or <laughs> anything about that. They are only going to want answers and comments on this. And I guarantee you Hugh Freeze is not going to want to say one word. So this is going to be muy awkward today. And these are very specific claims that Houston Nutt is making. So it's not like the media can just throw general questions to Hugh Freeze. You know, what do you think about Houston Nutt? What do you think about this this lawsuit? They can actually ask him specific questions. Did you call reporters and try to throw Houston under the bus? Did you blame him for this? Did you do that? You know, did you? So um, I'm interested. I I wonder if he if he cancels his presser today. I, I don't know. I, I don't see. How he gets out of That's this without look. just saying – with no comment. I think it's a bad look no matter what, but it was, yeah. is he going to get up there just no comment everything, or is he going to read a prepared statement real quick from an attorney and then say, I'm not taking any questions on this matter anymore? I mean, that's probably, I think, the way it has to go is he needs to read something prepared um, by an attorney. He'll read it, you know, and then he'll just say, look, if you ask me a question about it, I'm going to do the Marshawn Lynch, and then we'll worry about, you know, actual questions about my football team, and I'll answer those only. Well, Ole Miss already released a statement. General Counsel Lee Tyner came out and said the school had not been served with the lawsuit, at least as of yesterday. Quote, we are aware it has been filed. We were provided a short time ago a copy. We will carefully review Coach Nutt's claims and respond in due course. I would bet you there is going to be a prepared statement. I don't think Free is going to cancel his media availability. I just think that's that's impossible, and there's going to be a lot of folks that cry foul if that goes down. That's a bad look. He's got to at least stand there and say no comment. But – I think it's most likely that you're right. He probably reads a prepared statement, says, I will have no further comment on this. And then the next two or three questions will be about that again. He will say, refer back to my statement again, no comment at this time. And then that'll kind of be it. Like it won't make news except for the fact that it doesn't make news. He's not going to say anything. He's not going to put himself out there. And really he can't. Like there's nothing that he can say right now that's going to be beneficial. He's going to have to spend some time. Uh, with some smarter people than him on stuff like this and figure out the proper course of action, certainly. But this is great timing. Well, it's great or terrible timing, depending on where you fall on the sides. Houston Nutt definitely with an axe to grind and definitely timed this. It seems like he certainly timed this intentionally to make this as tough as possible on Hugh Freeze today. But back in 2013, as you talked about with those three guys, when they – won that recruiting battle and had this recruiting class that made no sense for an Ole Miss team that generally was sort of in the middle of the pack and all of a sudden, wow, they've got all world players all over the place. You knew this was probably going to crumble. Sorry to all the Ole Miss fans out there, but nobody saw this as legitimate. This this That recruiting class was about as legitimate as Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather is a fight. Like, this was going to crumble. But honestly... The way that it's crumbled, first with the bong and the gas mask for Laramie Tunsil and all of these other things that have kind of gone down and Hugh Freeze's reputation being destroyed over the last 12 months and now these revelations, I can't imagine it going much worse in terms of crumbling down, Jeff, than it has for Ole Miss. No, no, I I agree with that. I wonder how long Hugh Freeze lasts here. I mean, they're really really fighting back on – uh, old misses, you know, to these allegations, and I think they're trying to protect their their football recruiting classes and their their culture that they've started to, you know, you know, like you mentioned, they, they'll they'll get to, um, 
you know, number one in the nation, number two, but then they lose you know, a couple a couple games and, and drop back. So they're, they're getting, they're slowly building their program up to where they want to be. So I think they don't want to lose that momentum. If Hugh Freeze goes or sanctions come to their program, they're going to obviously lose all that momentum. But, you know, just like you said, I mean, when they got that recruiting class, I think everyone thought they were cheating. I mean, how do you, how does Ole Miss, out of all places, end up getting uh, three of the top four or five players. It doesn't happen that way. It's never happened that way. They're not a traditional power. If it was Alabama, you'd say, oh, yeah, that makes sense, or Florida State or USC or Michigan, Ohio State, all these teams. You'd, you'd say, okay, that makes sense. I mean, three out of five is still a lot, but Old Miss it had to raise red flags right away. Yeah, I mean, look, I saw I saw people when that recruiting class came out say, man, Hugh Freeze is a great recruiter. I'm like, yeah, he's not that good. Like, he's not that good. He's he's just as good as Pete Bell was in blue chips when he brought in Penny Hardaway, Shaq, and Matt Nover. Like, that is, <laughs> we knew that was going to come crumbling down in the film, just like we knew it was going to come burning down in Oxford, and that's what happened. So we'll find out what happens at Media, today, uh, media Day availability today down in Hoover. What, if anything, Hugh Freeze says, I would expect nothing. But maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this and see if anything else breaks over the next 24 hours that exacerbates this situation any further. On the other side, final segment of the program. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Stick around. Outkick the coverage with J. Martin Jeff here on Fox Sports Radio. Live, welcome back in from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios to the Outkick the Coverage radio program. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Have a little bit of fun here to end the show. Some interesting names being brought up in the political circles from entertainment and from sports. I'm told we have it. So Kid Rock announced that he's going to run for Senate in Michigan. Kid Rock's been a subject on the show a couple of times over the last few weeks. First with Clay saying all summer long it's going to turn out to be Michigan's Sweet Home Alabama or Country Roads. I beg to differ. But we opened up our kind of I hate you or just sound off anytime you want line on Clay at 855-500-CLAY. That's 855-500-2529. Put it in your phone. Call us drunk. Call us when you're under the influence of something or when you're at your most mad or when your team's just lost and just have some fun because we can edit it out. And that's what we did. We had a caller that has already become legendary, Percocet Pistol Pete. And I think it relates really well to Kid Rocket. If you missed this on the last day before Clay headed to Europe, you're going to get a kick out of that. Enjoy. Are you serious, man? Parker said Pistol Pete here. He's talking about Kid Rock, and he doesn't know who Bruce Springsteen is, the boss. And he's saying, I've been to a couple Kid Rock concerts. Well, you want to know why Clay is gay? Because he listens to Kid Rock. Are you kidding me? Parker said Pistol Pete here. I'm just appalled. And I cannot believe that he said this. Doesn't know who the boss is, but he listens and has been to Kid Rock concerts. Then he said, I've seen Kid Rock at his strip clubs. First of all, people that go to strip clubs don't admit that they go to strip clubs. So that's one telltale sign that you don't go to strip clubs and... If you saw Kid Rock at a strip club, you were probably at a gay strip club. Percocet Pistol Pete, I'll call back later, man. I got to do some work. I bet you if we are on the air for 30 years, we are still playing that cut in 30 years. Percocet Pistol Pete had to go do some work. I can't wait for him to call back to 855-500-CLAY. Kid Rock, Robert James Ritchie, 
The website KidRockForSenate.com is real. He has a major announcement coming in the near future. We've also, you know, heard about The Rock potentially looking into running for the presidency. And we've speculated that Peyton Manning could easily win in the state of Tennessee if he wanted to be governor or senator or anything else. But he's so likable. And, of course, you had another example of that last night uh, at the ESPY Awards. Jason Martin, Jeff Schwartz with you finishing up here on a Thursday. Jeff, first off, I don't know if you've heard that call before, but that is just absolute gold. I've heard part of it, uh, but not the whole thing. It's it's incredible. I mean, the... The amount, the range of calls that come to this show, I think, is like none other. I mean, yesterday we had uh, a priest call in, right? We had someone yep. who was, um, I would say, recovering domestic violence. I mean, he he arrested um, and paid his arrested paid his for dues. it. Yeah, paid his dues. It's a better man for it. We've actually, you know, we've had calls today, great calls today about about race and politics, and now we have, we have Percocet, Percocet pistol, pistol Pete. Pete. and um, it's. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite a show. All right, so it got us to thinking here in our last like three minutes. What other names in sports could you see running successfully for political office? Now, not The Rock and not Peyton Manning; those are way too easy. And not Jeff. I, I think Nick Saban's out too. Nick Saban. Okay, so Nick Saban is out as well. So I'm going to throw That's one out, Jeff, and then you can throw one out, and then we'll just kind of do that here in our last few minutes. Well, in I'm the state Nick of Ohio, Saban's out. I'm saying Nick Saban's out because we. I think he's already like he'd be number one for both of us, right? Uh, yeah, I think Peyton would be number one for me, but he's definitely okay. in that top three. In the state of Ohio, is it, is it run for president? Is it run no, for president? No, just, just run, run for, for some kind of decent office. Like, I'm not okay. talking about right. like city commissioner, but senator, okay. governor, that kind of thing. I think LeBron okay. James in Ohio is one that's worth exploring. Yes, he's on so my what, list as what well. Do you got? Oh, he's on your list so, as well. What else do you have? I have Tom Brady. Um, okay. I know he's disliked basically around the country, but I think in in Boston, in New England, um. In Massachusetts, he could win something. Um, P.K. Subban, people don't know about his personality. I think he oh, could, he's awesome. if he, right? I agree. I think he could win some sort of seat. Um, you put LeBron, so you're gonna hate this, but Kaepernick would win something oh, if he ran the right place. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm true about that. I mean, you know, excuse me, you know, I'm right about that. If he ran in, in, in some in some district in California, he could win that. And then Greg Popovich in Texas. Somewhere, yeah. I mean, it have to be a, a I mean, President he Snow ran, already ran the districts in the Hunger Games, and Greg Popovich basically <laughs> is President Snow. He's I mean, Donald if he, if he ran, if, if, if Pop ran in, like, Austin, Texas, I mean, it has to be, you know, you obviously have to run in a district that's left-leaning for Pop. I mean, it have to be that way, but I think that he could win something. All right, a couple of names for me. Actually, you know what? I just want to get this because all three of you are L.A. guys, so you can respond to this. Pete Carroll in California. What do you think about that? Hmm. I think he, he left us. People. He left us in bad yeah. shape, though. I was just going to yeah. say the same thing. If, if <laughs> so, so was I. Tough gets Scorned. going. He's going to scram. All right, Ooh. Drew yeah, Brees. I, I think people don't like him. Drew Brees in Louisiana or maybe in Indiana. I could see that. Seems like a pretty likable guy, right? And we 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 spent some time with him down at the Super Bowl. I just I could see that working. What about Brett Favre in Mississippi? As long as we don't get into the Jen Sturger controversy, not that that's going to keep him out of office. What about what about he could run in Green Bay too? Yeah, I could see that too. Ric Flair in North Carolina? Whoa. No, he's he, no no not here. He um we don't like him here because he he can't even, you know he can't come into the state right? Yeah, because he owes he owes so yes. much in child support. He's not allowed in the state of North Carolina. Maybe so before everybody hard, found out everything, it'd be hard for him to run in North Carolina. All right. All right, we're out of time. We'll come back and we'll finish up a strong week tomorrow. What's going to happen with Ole Miss at Media Days today? We'll find out.
Thanks for spending time with us. It's Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying, flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!